Hello and welcome to the True Fitness Podcast. In this episode, you will be joined by the True Fitness team. Dr. Diane Cooper, who is a clinical exercise physiologist and researcher in health. Mr. John Bolton, who is an exercise instructor and expert in injury prevention and rehabilitation. And myself, Ruth Kavna, who is an accredited nutritionist and active researcher in health. and welcome to the second True Fitness podcast. So in this episode, Diane and John are going to talk to you about their training before they took on the 40-day event around Ireland. So the first question is, where did you start with your training? As, well, I suppose the first thing we did was we sat down and we planned out what the, the whole training program would look like. Yeah, so what we what we we did what we always do, which is we start at the end and we work backwards. So we knew from the calculations you had done based on the total distance. So we knew we'd have to, we would aim for about 50 kilometers a day, and we knew we'd be looking at maybe 14, 17 hours a day. Yeah, time wise. We came up with the 50k because we had kayaked on the Shannon before we kayaked the length of the Shannon, and we knew uh, we could. We were fit to knock out about 50 kilometers in a day. Much more would have been under too much pressure. Yeah. And you're trying to gain as much ground every day as you possibly can. So that's kind of where we come up with the 50 kilometers. Um, yeah. So that in, in manual effort, then that translates to a minimum of 14 hours, but up to maybe 17 hours of paddling. So you need to get yourself into the condition that you can do that every day for nearly 40 days. Yeah. So we didn't know exactly. Well, we. We knew we'd lose time to storms mm. and things like that. Yeah. So we were kind of estimating 30 some days or that. Mm. Uh, but we lost more days to storms than we thought. But um, so that's kind of where the, the program started. We mm. knew, okay, we need to do 15 hours per day and we need to get up to, we need to be able to knock out 50 kilometers in that time. Because if we couldn't cover 50 kilometers, we knew then we were in trouble. Mm. So um, that's kind of where it started from. And then what we have to do is, so we had to pick a start date. Yeah. And then from there we would, um, what we normally do is we, not, we normally try and put three 15 hour days back to back. So we had to pick dates for those. We were trying to get, we normally try to get in maybe two of those before an event. Yeah, so we'll hang on now. So you have the end, you have what we need to be able to do and then you have to look, well, where are we at now? Um, and then you have to plan from A to B. Um, and, and the way we normally do it is, so I think we had really given ourselves a nine month window for training. Yeah. So like September, it was kind of September, October time in 2013. And we were going on the 20th of June, 2014, because that's when I got uh, released from um, work. <laughs> so but even in terms of how much time we needed, it was really important to go to the, to the 20th of June and work our way back. Yeah. Because that dictates um, how many of those weekends you put in, how long does it take to get up to 15 hours? Yeah. And that works its way back. So then you say, okay, we needed we needed nine months. Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah, so that was kind of the bones of it. But then obviously you have to do like your own kind of self-assessment. So where where are we now? Um and I really we were in two completely different places, I think. 
and be fair. I think we always are. I'm <laughs> <laughs> still not sure what you're <laughs> So, anyway, uh, so John, of course, was very consistent as always, um, which is uh, something I admire all the time is with his training. So John was, you were definitely doing what we do. You were surely training six days a week anyway. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, I would normally be training something like that. Um, and then it depends on how the quality will dictate is dictated by an event that's coming up. Mm. Um, so my training at that stage, I would have been doing a lot of kayaking on, on whitewater. Um, so although we hadn't done a huge amount on the sea, I would well, me especially would have done a lot on Just for people who don't know what white water is, what is that? It's water that's white. <laughs> it's all water, not white, but it's white because... <laughs> it just means that um, as the rivers flow, they'll come across, the, the water level may drop rapidly or there could be lots of um, rocks or boulders or various things that causes the water to get churned oh, up. The turbulence, yeah. Yeah, so then it's graded really, you'd have grade one, which would be just a very calm up to, I think it's five or six. Which we call a washing machine. <laughs> just, <laughs> and is this just rivers? Uh, it would be, now you would get a lot of, uh, on the sea, it, it depends, uh, like up in Carlingford, if, if water gets squeezed, you get the same effect, uh, depending on the, the way the, the, the seabed is and the way rocks are situated, it can squeeze water and it can make it very, very turbulent. And wind, like if the wave is coming this way and the wind is coming this way, it meets and it's like... It's lifting, it's lifting yeah. the, the waves up. But it's, you can get it on the sea to, to a certain extent um, because of uh, tidal flows and things like that. And can you remember your first training on the water? I'll leave that to you. Um, we can. So I suppose, in summary, you were mostly you were we were quite well trained. You were quite well conditioned. You were doing cycling. You had your strength conditioning. You were doing all of that. Um, me not so much. <laughs> I'm always doing something, but I could really just put it down to be physically being physically active at the time with yeah. the work commitment. So, um, and this is re relevant to the first training session. So I was doing no joke probably up to 80 hours a week in work for a long time at that time not ideal just a necessity at the time so anyway my training sessions would have been short and there wouldn't have been any intensity to them it was more training for health yeah. physical health and mental health so anyway when we did go out and do our very first session we went out on the canal in Monastreven in a double the double, double sea kayak and I was at the front, John's at the back, and we did one whole hour. <laughs> and remember now the canal is going to be flat. <laughs> no tides. No, no. <laughs> nothing. No. Very little uh, resistance. Um, and we did it. And we came back. And I will never forget it because I had to go to bed. I was so tired after it. I had to go to bed. Um, and this was in January. So no, this was this in about was, September. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It was the first time... First training session for the event, it was September, we're going in June, and I have to go to bed after one hour. <laughs> um, that I did on one day, and I needed to do 17 hours for 40 days. So it's only at that time that it really hits you, okay, <laughs> this is serious. Um, 
and it really you can't miss any training sessions and you need to commit and you have to be committed for such a long time like we always say that the, the event is nearly the fun part the event is where you just get to do it but it's the the year or whatever you put in leading into it on top of life and everything else that's happening is the hard part but anyway yes Ruth I do <laughs> clearly remember our first training session on that canal and okay so we know you kayaked for 40 days in the sea so around Ireland but you're based in Leash and obviously there's not much sea near you so how did you get around that? Because Diane, as you said, you were doing 80 hours a week. Like time was a major oh. problem. Um, but we have MacGyver here as part of the team. <laughs> so John said, I know. Um, we were trying to replicate the demands. It, it's called specificity of training. So your, your training is trying to be as specific as possible to the event you're training for. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we couldn't do it all the time. So like John was cycling and I was running to get up our cardiovascular fitness. Obviously, they're different to kayaking, but you still get fish. You still get a lot of similar adaptations. But MacGyver here decided to help us out a bit in the studio, uh, in our own studio. And we, for one of the things we used to do, um, we used to do short sessions in, in the studio when no one else was around, obviously. <laughs> this looked completely bananas. John tied um, um, bungee, bungee cords. cords, that was it, to, to our actual paddle. So our actual paddle we were using. And that was in turn attached to the A-frame, which it's, it's a, like a metal A-frame that was in the studio. And then we used to pull the bungee cords taut and then we'd literally sit on a, on a chair, like just, just a, a, a basic chair. And you'd plant your feet, you'd get up good and straight and you'd paddle in your chair in the studio for like maybe an hour. We used to do intervals to make it a little bit more interesting because now to be fair, it's really boring, um, and so but the one we stuck with it because it's mental training as well. Yeah, yeah, because that was a maybe huge side of the, the mental pressure mm-hmm. of the younger, so we had to be able to deal with that, and it was awful. To look at John for an hour. Has anyone else seen his training face? Actually, through that hour, like, did you like listen to music? You listen, oh. listen to music, but uh, like uh, when I train, I sort a lot of things out in my head anyway, naturally, and yeah. what's happening in the day. But you're all, you're thinking like of the event. Like if you're struggling now, now you know mm-hmm. you, you need to be able to deal with that. You need to be able to push past it and 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 keep going. And like you have to do that from the very start of the event. So you just have to, as I often say, suck it up and get on with it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the other reason we did it was because, especially in the winter, the evenings were so short and we just couldn't get to water. So we had to come up with some way of keeping our fitness or improving our fitness. And um, then we'd kind of, we also used the river barrel. Yeah. And, and on that, you had, you had a bit of flow against you, depending on the, on the, on the conditions. Mm-hmm. But that was very useful to us as well. Yeah, and the other thing then, I was working in Athlone at the time. So halfway between where John was and where I was is Tullamore. And we had the canal in Tullamore. Now, keeping in mind, we started September, October time. So we're kind of looking November now, December. um, And John used to pack the van, I'll never forget this, with with the little river boats. River boats are obviously much shorter than sea kayaks. And... I think mine in particular was real, un- we used to call it, it was real tippy, it was real <laughs> unstable, and they're not, as John said, they're not designed for like 
for travel. They're, you know, yeah, they're not designed to go in straight lines. The way you can go in a straight line, they're designed to twist and turn. That's what they're, they're designed for. So there's a lot of resistance. If you're trying to paddle in a straight line, it, uh, it creates a lot of resistance. And it was ideal for us mm. because it meant... We'd short sections on the canal before you get a bridge and a lock. And so we used to do interval training. So you do your warm up and then you might do... Um, were there maybe 20 minute stretches? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. The, the whole session would be an hour or something. Yeah. Maybe. But I remember I do remember though back then, like remember the cold of like you finishing work, you're trying to get into your gear, get into the water. It was absolutely baltic. Oh. I do remember that much. Um yeah, and then of course you'd be you'd be doing intervals, you'd be working really hard, so you'd be sweating. Oh. And then when you come off the water, you're taking it's off so all your gear, it's freezing. Oh, no. um, well, we used to also roll, we'd, we'd practice our oh. rolls. Although we were going to be in a double C kayak, we did practice the rolls in, in the little boats, in the, in the river yeah. boats because to to make sure we were well able to roll and things like that. So that was important. Yeah, so there are little things we used to do with the bit of time we had. That was a good use of time, Brilliant. basically. Yeah, so I'm sure there's much more to kayaking than paddling. So was there anything else that you had to practice or do? Yeah, so like, um, as I said, we, the aim was to get into a double C kayak as much as possible, but that wasn't always the case. So sometimes we were in those river boats. But um, what we used to do was, because this was a, rolling was a, in a double, takes a lot of practice because now two if you're rolling as an individual it's it can be difficult once you get that and until you get the hang of it mm -hmm. but rolling a double means that the timing has to be perfect for both of you to react at the same time and if you're Look, yeah just describe a roll john because if you don't know what it is it's hard to yeah well um well first of all we needed to know it because if you were out at sea and you get turned upside down mm -hmm. It's not just a case of getting out and putting your feet on the bottom and setting everything back up. You're in very, very deep water, very rough water. So if you can, if you flip upside down, if you're able to right yourself, it makes things an awful lot easier. But when you're rolling, if the boat is upside down and you're hanging from the bottom, the aim is to get the paddle up over the surface of the water. And then what you're going to start to do is you start to turn the paddle away from the boat. Now, while that's happening, you're beginning to twist your hips because the aim is to get the boat to flip as far over as possible. Now, you're still hanging in the water. And what's causing the boat to flip is by you rotating your hips. Now, what you're also doing at the same time is you're pulling your paddle along the surface of the water. And it's the combination of using the paddle plus rotating your hips. And then you're going to lie. Well, there's different ways of doing it. You can lie on the back of the boat. But the aim is to get as low onto the board as possible until the board is right back up into that position. And remember, we calculated, I think, our board was about, like, obviously, you don't feel it like that, but it was it loaded as about 200 kilos. Was it? Well, that was a with us. Yeah. 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 So yeah. you can't get it wrong. Yeah. Just, but it's, it's all about the technique. It's yeah. about the timing of two people doing everything I described mm -hmm. at the same time. And that's what makes it so difficult. Because if one person goes first, mm. someone's half up when the other person is still in the yeah. water, and that's the recipe for disaster. And how long would that take, like a roll? Like, you know, like, like only hold your breath for so long. Only a few seconds, but see, the thing, when you're learning right. how to do it, uh, yeah. you won't get it right the, the first million times. Um, and so you get up, you take a breath, you come back down again, and you'll, you know, and, and this is going on, and eventually you're just, 
you can't sustain that, like, you know, so, um, but we, <laughs> there was a lot of practice in, in the roles. Yeah, there would have been a lot of yeah. practice, but the other thing we, we had to practice as well was if the role, if, you, if the role failed, mm. and now you're in the well, role. Before the role, can I just, because you can't possibly, like, it's not like we're in the tropics here. We're yeah. in November, December in Ireland. And what happens just if you're, apart from knowing you have to flip yourself over and hang upside down in water where you can't see anything, hear anything, um, there's a serious cold shock. Mm -hmm. Now, I really, I know you did too, but I really suffered with it. It would literally, and it, 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 you're trying to not gasp because obviously you can't do that when you're <laughs> underwater and you need to stay, the, the, the whole thing about it is to stay really calm. And to know you're going to get that shock, to not react, and to just like we, to, the two of us had to be completely in sync. So what we used to have to do was you'd flip over and you had to just wait, get your paddle up, and you had to wait for a few seconds and relax, clear the water, and then as soon as like after many attempts, as soon as John, I feel John go, then I start moving my my body and my paddle, and the I for me the whole key was you have to relax. If you don't, and so mentally, that's not easy when you're learning because it is cold. It, want, it was absolutely Baltic. Ferocious. So there was a limited amount of rows you, you could do. You could do. Right. But we did find a little way around it once or twice. We, yeah, we did have <laughs> access to a lovely pool, remember? Because <laughs> in, in December, I was like, no, this, there's only so much you can do, and we really have to work on the technique. So um, we had access to an indoor pool. Um, we, well, we got access. We got access. To have, yeah. <laughs> so we used to rock up and um, get our 20-foot boat we, in sneak. <laughs> we were, exactly. We were sneaking in with a 20-foot, 22-foot double sea kayak. In the late hours. In the in, dark. In two small doors. And not making any noise whatsoever. But that, that, <laughs> that used to let us have more practice because we needed it. Um, but yeah, practicing. But then you see, you have, you have a lovely warm, calm pool, yeah. and then you have to transfer that out onto uh, somewhere where there's wind and waves and turbulence. And um, I, I do remember uh, we were having trouble in the barrel. Uh, we were having a good bit of trouble really in the barrel. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes. And, uh, <laughs> We, of course, John, the, the instructor, John was instructing me all of the time about my technique. <laughs> this I, is all lies, but... I, I was thinking, in my head, I was thinking, no, I really think I'm doing that, but I know The evidence. reason she's telling this story is because on occasion we'd miss a roll. Yeah. This is why she's telling We had to try and figure it out because it was, uh, it is really... You, you wanted to be in a situation where you were never missing a roll. And no matter where you are or whatever, you got the roll. But anyway... We were practicing in the middle of winter and we, we were missing some of them. So we had a friend who said, well, maybe if we record it, we might be able to see what we're doing. So yeah. John's instructing and instructing and instructing. And I'm thinking, well, I think I really am doing that. But anyway, so we let our friend, uh, I think it was Paul, was it? Was Paul? Was Paul? I and I was actually Shirley gave me a lovely skull <laughs> This never happened according to John. <laughs> yeah, right. If we have the video, we'll insert it. <laughs> so I, I actually think the two witnesses that could have been Paul and Shirley. So we were doing the role, and anyway, to keep a very long story short, I was absolutely perfect. <laughs> but 
the big tree in the back of the boat there, <laughs> instead of like, coming the whole way back on top of the boat, somebody wasn't quite getting it right. So somebody was the reason he was dragging us down. So what's we can see the errors of your ways. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we and I just once again I was perfect. I but is there not a story when you were saying Diane was supposed to be sitting down? Oh, was there was well, there I won't be like too nice to repeat That's that. Story. It's lies. It's lies. No, I won't let the camera be back Okay. <laughs> now you're showing your personality <laughs> was that we had to prepare for the fact that Diane would mess up the roll <laughs> in, in the water. So then we had to practice. We're out of the pool in deep water. The boat is upside down. Now we have to flip the boat the right way up and then try to get back in. And uh, to say the least, it's, it's a very difficult job because the water, especially turbulent water, the water is moving, the boat is moving. So the, the sequence was that I would hold the boat and Diane would get back in. Even flipping it when your yeah. feet can't touch the ground. Like you're trying, as you flip up, you're being pushed down. Yeah, so the it's, trick was to get under the boat, push it up, flip it, and try to drain the water at the same time. But it, it, it's a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. But um, so Diane, would, I'd hold the boat steady. For obvious reasons, John did that. <laughs> <laughs> But then uh, Diane would try and get back in. And, First, yeah. Yeah, so it's really difficult to get back in because the boat wants to keep tipping over. Mm. Um, but then... You have to remember as well, though, you have a lot of gear on you. So, you know, if you if you can... Anyone who's ever tried to get out of a swimming pool where you put your hands on the side of the pool and you push yourself up and it's not ever very glamorous and you get out. <laughs> well, you could imagine, if you have a big, thick life jacket here... So instead of you getting close into where you want to go and being able to, you know, do it that way, you have to do it from out here. And it's always in the way. It's really difficult. So you have to like, you have to really work hard on your legs. So there's a big kick action to throw your legs up and then really push yourself on top of the boat. And you're still not even in it. You're just barely on top of it at the moment. Because I think that's important to say is that sometimes people might think like, oh, you know, if you have like a... a Low boat, boat yeah. in a swimming pool, and you yeah. just pop in from a nice steady edge. But you have to think of it like you're practicing this surrounded by water, there's nothing to support you. Yeah, waves, waves, everything you do. And yeah, you'd get in, and you'd eventually, I'd eventually kind of shimmy into the, the, the front of the boat. But then we had to get, and I don't really don't mean any offense by this, but he's heavy. <laughs> we had to get you into the back of the bed, which was tough. Yeah, because like it's, it's hard work to get into it. And then Diane would have her paddle and she'd be trying to stabilize the boat. And I'd be trying to get in then. And if you miss it, mm. that takes the two of us mm. back out again. You'd be drained, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's, it's very physical. Yeah. So yeah. we had to put a lot of practice in mm. to perfecting that. Um, and that, that side of stuff was, was very mm. difficult. But it was necessary because mm. there was always that chance that you'd end up out of the water. You'd yeah. be doing your best you have to be able to boat. rescue yourself. Yeah. So there would have been a huge amount of emphasis on, on roles and self-rescue as well. Roles and self-rescue. And I think the third one, just when you were talking about other things that we have to practice, like, um, you know, people probably have a vision of, you know, when you want to land, like you can just paddle up nice and beautifully 
and you know the water will carry you into the beach and everything will be lovely and there's a few things like so you have to remember we're stuck in a boat like this for 17 hours you're sitting down your your legs are cramped they don't work and um, so a it's difficult to get out of the boat apart from the fatigue they're actually just your legs just aren't working yeah. b oftentimes we weren't coming to a beach you'd be trying to land on but we like, were purposefully not landing on beaches because the beach generally will surf that means you get a big waves coming in behind you and the last thing you need are oh, big swells driving you in because they'll either turn you or flip you now you can surf them but if you get it wrong, uh, you're going for a swim. And yeah. um, the other side of it is you could have the same with there could be rocks. Mm -hmm. And you don't you're landing there because you have to, mm -hmm. not because it's the best place. Sometimes you have no option. Mm -hmm. There's just nowhere else to go. You have to get out somewhere. So the landing side of stuff would have taken a lot of practice as well, you know. Mm -hmm. And as Diane said, when you when you land and there's waves coming in mm. behind you, you have to get out of the boat very quickly. quickly. And, and you, you have to get out and, and run yeah. with the boat. Because yeah. you, you can really hurt yourself. So like, say if you're if you're slow getting out of the boat, the wave just, it literally just knocks you. It, it, it absolutely pummels you off the rocks. Yeah. So you have to jump out, literally jump out, grab the boat, run with the wave and get out of the wave because you'll be really, really badly hurt if you don't. And where would you land if you weren't landing on the beach? Um, uh, as much as possible, we landed with piers. Okay. If there was a pier somewhere, mm -hmm. that's where we had. We'd get into a harbour, it meant that you had a very easy exit. Um, all, uh, not all the time was that available. So then you would, you could be landing on islands. You'd pick the, the, the most protected section that you could. Mm -hmm. uh, it was always a case of get into the calmest place possible and get out at that point. Now, we would have had looked at where all our exit points mm -hmm. were. So we had a really good idea of where we were trying to get out. But sometimes it was a case of, we need to get out now, or we need to find the best place to get out. So you, you had to make a decision mm -hmm. there and then in terms of where you were going to get out. But we tried to pick the best place all the time. And at what stage then of the training did you actually get to the sea? Because, you know, you kayak for 40 days, but there's no way you could replicate that in your spare time, you know, especially no. when you're doing 80 hour weeks. So how did you train for that, I suppose? Well, the plan was to get on the sea by January. Mm. Up to that, we were going to work on it because we needed to develop a fitness. We were going to mm. sail on lakes and rivers and canals. And then the aim was to get on it in January. Um, but I remember we, we made several attempts to get out in January. And we only had the weekends. We couldn't mm. go during the week. Mm. And there were storms. Yeah. Every mm. weekend there was big storm yeah. one after the other so yeah i think it was nearly february yeah, I, I do too, actually, before yeah. we got on the water and we used to head we had uh, we'd head to dublin yeah they were the shortest trips yeah. yeah so we'd be able to get out from dunleary um and you'd be heading out to docky island or mm. to ireland's eye or from hoth or whatever it is mm. but you'd be trying to get as much practice as you can mm on this on, in sea conditions so yeah. we spent a couple of hours there so that's kind of where the sea started yeah yeah and then we basically tra we traveled around the country but to places where we knew we'd encounter them on the actual trip yeah. as well so we were trying to scope out 
the area and what skills would be required. And as the as the weeks and months went on, you'd go from like you know five hour paddles to seven hour paddles to nine hour paddles, and eventually, kind of the big the big goals just before we started were to have like two two fifteen hours back to back, and then three fifteen hours back to back. Um, and again, different parts of the but country. But I remember we went as I answered, we travelled to various places. We went to Westport. I have to tell this story. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I oh yes, I love that <laughs> So we went to Westport and um, we decided we'd head out into Clue Bay. And again, it was. It could Do you have been. remember even just standing on? Remember standing on the ground, putting our feet into the dry, the dry suits, and even roots the pain in your feet standing on the ground. Cold. It was so cold. So cold. Excuse me now, I don't get sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> <So, laughs> that happened at the end, though. <laughs> I know, but hang on a minute. I can get to the, I can get to the beginning yet. <laughs> so we started from Westport and we headed out into Clue Bay. And the tide was going out with us. And that's really important to know this. Because it's beginning to empty. The bay is beginning to empty. So we headed out and into Clue Bay, and we were going to do a couple of hours in Clue Bay, but I remember at one stage, the hailstones started. Oh, no. And when you're kayaking, you can't protect yourself. You can't take your hands off the You can't cover your face. So you're trying to keep your head down, and you're trying to keep paddling. But it's not just the hailstones. It's hailstones on top of cold skin. It's like stones taking your face. Um, but we spent a couple of hours out there. We stopped in one of the islands and we had lunch and then we came back in. But as we were coming back in, the tide had almost completely ebbed at this stage. So You should have timed this better. <laughs> <laughs> I did time it perfectly. So by the time we got back into where we started, now there was mudflats quite a bit a ways out. It's basically like quicksand. Yeah, very, very sticky. So anyway... What we did was we got in as close as we could to where we had started. Yeah. So both of us got out and um, Diane, for some reason, decided she'd get stuck in the mud. <laughs> I don't think you decide why to get stuck. <laughs> so now I'm going to tell you the whole story. She's stuck in the mud. I'm standing in the same mud and I have to pull. <laughs> Diane is stuck in the mud. She took nothing. Trying to lift her feet out. She's stuck in the mud. So I said, okay, I need to get the boat out. So now I dragged the boat, this 22-foot boat, by myself, <laughs> yeah, across, yeah, yeah. <laughs> across the mud flat. I get out, and now I turn around to come back. And it's hard to describe what I saw, because now <laughs> I have no idea how this happened. Because she is now standing in the mud. With her legs crossed and the paddle is between her two feet. So it's like, I have no idea how it got there. She is holding the paddle. I'm going to have to stand up for this. She's holding the paddle between her two feet. And she's yanking on the paddle. <laughs> I ended up going in and I literally picked her up and I walked <laughs> out of the mud. Now, not only did I get the boat out, I got myself out, but I had to come back and take her out. All she had to do was get herself out. You had to make up for your bad holding performance. <laughs> I wish you had all the to pass. <laughs> you 
would have forgotten that. That was actually well, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I remember another weekend we, we were going to Clare Island. And uh, the only reason I'm telling this is a good story, actually. Well, the other last one was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we paddled out to Clare Island. And I remember leaving the pier. Oh, yeah. We were on that pier, I think. Uh, mm. So... We, ha we had uh, Anne, I remember Anne and Niall and Marva were standing yeah. up on the pier yeah. looking at us two idiots trying to get out into horrendous conditions is all I can say. Uh, yeah, there was quite a bit of a swell up, but it was it, it was a kind of rolling swell, so it was fine. But it's where it was breaking mm. around the pier was the problem. Mm. So eventually we got out into it and we headed across for Clare Island. But when we got across... At that time of the year, everything is closed on Clare Island. Mm -hmm. So um, we had pulled into the harbour and we got up. And of course, we would have loved the coffee. But it's, it, we were cold and everything yeah. else, and all we wanted was coffee. But the guy who runs the ferry, Alan. Yeah. Lovely, lovely chap. We'll get it for the next podcast now. Yeah. Alan, we can insert it here. Yeah. Yeah. So Alan, uh, he's the guy that runs the ferry, and they have a guest house. Mm -hmm. And they come over, he came over to us. We, we were sitting down, it was obviously Baltic. Um, can I just describe on the way over when we used to, the waves route? I, it was our first open water paddle, first one ever, 5k across. Um, and when we'd, so you'd go up, the boat would be traveling up, 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 up the wave, and down, 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 down. And no one's coming to get you, you fall out. But the ferry was going across as well, and you'd lose sight of the ferry. The ferry would go down into the trough of the wave. And you just barely see the, the top of the ferry, and it was only you know, 100 meters away from us. But, but so we were we, down in the trough, and then they were down in the trough, you could only see the top of the greenhouse. When we did get over, we really wanted a coffee and something to eat because yeah. that you need like it eats up a lot of energy when you're trying to focus. And so here we were, I'll never forget it. We were sitting down, and of course, me frozen, and um, someone just called. Would you like a coffee? And I was like, who are they talking to? And then I looked over. And I said, do you like to be talking to us? And he said, yeah, yeah, come on over. We fresh stones just out of the oven. I was like, what? Oh. Um, so we hopped over the wall, didn't we? And just at that time, I remember the sun came out. Do you remember we were sitting on the bench? Beautiful coffee, beautiful hot scones. Oh my oh, God, they were wow. so kind. Like uh, that's another thing we talk about in times. The kindness of people is amazing. And did he know you? Like no, he no, you were doing no. no. Because wow. what happened was he, they got spe got speaking to us and they gave us they gave us coffee and scones, mm -hmm. and then they asked us what we were doing. We told them we were training for kayak and around there. And we were raising money for yeah, the hospice. We were doing yeah. It for the hospice. yeah. And what they said was, they had the guest house, so they said, when you're coming around, come back to us and we put you up for the night. Wow. And if we happened to be stopping there. So we didn't know at the time if we would or not, but yeah. Um, yeah. But um, we'll tell that story yeah, when yeah. we come back to it. But that's, that's how we met them. Yeah. And yeah. So they gave us really coffee, the coffee and scones. Mm. And it was, it was, you know, when you, you're not expecting something yeah. like that and you get it, it was just incredible. It's it, it's like a happy pill that it just recharges you and it doesn't it and re-energizes you because we still have to get back across. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, but uh, before we we did that uh, before we headed back we decided to go out around the. Uh, yeah, no, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Well, we need to go over there, but John's going this way." 
So we headed as if we were going to head across towards Ackham, and we just went part of the way out. But we turned around and we started to come back, and I can see a wave in the distance, like white water. In the distance, I can see this white water, and I'm thinking. Surely we're not going there because <laughs> he's controlling the direction of the boat. Like either side of it was nothing, right? But there's this uh, called the washing machine. I said, no, that's no. Why? Why would we do that? Like that just makes no sense. And as we get closer to it, I'm like, oh, can you see that? <laughs> and so there's a wave breaking, and it was constantly breaking. And I'm at the front of the boat. So I decided, okay, I need to wet her. So paddled <laughs> straight through the middle of the wave, and it just came in over the top of Absolutely. her. Absolutely. Why would you want to do that? It's like hitting a wall of water. It's heavy yeah, and it's cold, but it breaks on me. So he sails through. I emerge gasping, and he's like, "You're <laughs> like, Joe, are you okay? That's like it. You're not kidding me." Did, did you even get splashed? Seriously. Yeah, everything, yeah. 
um, and your, your VHF and all of the things that we were working on. Um, and like, so like, you know, weather conditions are different as well. And oftentimes we didn't really see anybody, but sometimes when we were on the lakes, uh, like Portumna and stuff, you would, uh, <laughs> we might come across people. <laughs> I think Diana's hinting at a story. Um, so, I'm not sure I should tell this story. I go on. I'll just say, I have never in my life heard John laughing so much. He laughed, like, I mean, Ruth, for hours after it had happened. We'd be paddling away, and he would literally just burst out laughing to the point where he couldn't even paddle. So I left him trying to, like, it's not that funny, John. It was just hilarious. But we were down in We're Port not Tumna. laughing with them, we're at them, we're laughing with them. <laughs> <laughs> we were down in Portumna and we stopped at the bridge and we had gosh, it was really warm, yeah. Are you going to walk No, we stopped we we we've been paddling all day. Actually, it was so hot. I and we'd no sun cream, wasn't that it? We ran out of sun cream and I remember didn't it wasn't it? I got out walked up across the bridge, bought the sun cream and bought some ice cream. So we were at, that was it. We were sitting on, on, on the, yeah, bank eating ice cream. Yeah, yeah so we yeah. were sitting and the boats come in and they had, they park up there waiting for the bridge to lift. And once the bridge lifts, then a lot of them would go up the Shannon or down, whatever. But we were sitting there and we were licking the, <laughs> <laughs> licking the ice cream as you do. And a boat was coming in and there was a, a woman standing on the front of the boat and she had the rope and she was ready to jump off. And so the boat was coming and it was kind of coming in quite close to where we were, but there was the pier in front of it. So, and next her husband started to give her instructions to jump. And we were sitting there going, oh, don't jump. Because <laughs> she's surely 14 feet from the deck. Like, there's no way she could have made it. Now, from his point of view, he obviously thought he was much mm. closer. So he's telling her to jump. She's on the front of the boat knowing She's not I really can't it. jump. So the, at this stage, the boat is getting closer and closer. And he's becoming more agitated telling her to jump because he thinks he's going to crash into the, into the pier. And she's still too far away. And she still knows, I really shouldn't jump. And we're, we're there with the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Don't jump. She didn't know like she was going to make it. No. At all. So no. she got to a point where at this stage she could jump. But at this stage, the husband was now angry. Well, that's a mild mm. term for what it was. He was bouncing off the walls in the wheelhouse. <laughs> at this stage, his voice was quite loud. And so eventually she jumps. And the boat is quite high and she has to jump down quite a bit. So she lands on the deck and unfortunately she didn't kind of, when she landed, she didn't kind of stick. <laughs> she, she started the back pedal and of course we're still losing. <laughs> it, was, it, was it was a deafening pull of yeah. someone that really didn't have any spring in the, the oh, land. It was her a, spring had sprung. It was a real... <laughs> So she certainly hurt herself. Well, she, she backpedaled. When she hit, she started the backpedal. And it looks like she's going to, she could possibly fall into the water. Now, at no stage did it cross our minds go, we should go and help. I was just going to say, like, you just sit there. there. No, but this is all happening quick as well. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> so eventually, 
when he sees her hit the ground, he's going ballistic because she didn't do a perfect <laughs> landing. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so anyway, she eventually gets up and she starts to pull the rope to tighten it up. But there's a bicycle on the front of the board, <laughs> and the rope has caught around the handlebars. Oh, no. So as she starts to pull the rope, the bicycle starts to come over <gasps> the rail, and he sees this, oh, and no. now he's going completely ballistic. <laughs> Steam coming out. <laughs> because he, he's now afraid that the boards are going to drift into the boards in front of him. And now she can't pull the, the rope. <laughs> Because the bike would come over, <laughs> over the top. And Diana was ever licking the ice cream. And still, we still haven't moved. We're still watching this go on. Is this really happening? So he decides to run to the back rope, to throw the back rope to it. But when he throws it, it's all knotted. And it just lands in the water. <laughs> and at this stage, I think the tears were rolling. <laughs> It could have been a sketch. I was laughing. Oh, jeez, where we were. Yeah, but you're in disbelief that yeah, all of this is, and it's happening, you know, yeah, obviously, we're here. But we still did it. Like, I'm so happy this is not us. <laughs> well, we were having a rest. We had yeah. paddled for hours and hours in fairness. Yeah. But as they say, look, it happened so quick, and it's kind of disbelief that one thing after the other oh, just happened. It was just a car crash, wasn't it? But eventually, he got the back row tour. But I think the idea was to go wait for the bridge to lift, but there was no waiting for the bridge. It was put ropes back on and back up the lake. But for hours, the two of us just... Has to be there, didn't it? You really did. It the, was... Yeah. Like, the, it was like the jump, like the jump, I remember. Jump, it was like splat and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just the worst landing I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was like, how badly could it go wrong right there? That's how badly it could go wrong. <laughs> oh, so funny. But that was just so funny to sit and watch. Now, obviously, we should have helped, but... <laughs> what could you do, though, in fairness? We were, we were paraboled, we could have... Probably done something more. Than... <laughs> just eat the ice cream and cry even after. <laughs> You're weak, you couldn't help. <laughs> but uh, everyone was fine. Yeah, everyone's fine. Oh, I think they're still married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're no longer travelled by boat. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, thanks. Oh, thanks. So we probably need to wrap this up. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, um, do you have any more questions? Uh, yeah. So, well, we'll kind of keep it short, but like obviously you were training in you know autumn, winter. How did you keep well? Because, you know, Surely you would have got sick throughout this training period. How did you keep well? Yeah, um, so we did what we always do and what we always advise people to do. Um, but you have to remember, like I'm just going to say, the whole situation wasn't ideal for me because the hours I was working was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, and so one key component of training well is recovery. It's not optional. This is a conversation we have all of the time where people completely don't factor in recovery. Well, I, my opportunity for recovery was limited. Mm -hmm. um, so there are a few things you can manipulate. Well, one of the things we always do is we train in four-week cycles. So we train harder at the on phase, we'd say, for the first three weeks. And then we have our off, our recovery week on the fourth week. And that just means that you change, like you make the session shorter or you, take, you make them easier. You don't stop training. 
but it's during that recovery week that you get to recover yourself mentally and physically and that's how you push on to new levels of training so the technical term on that is periodization so that's what we were doing um but uh yeah i i would have been in, one of the other things you can do is look at the intensity of training so you were training really well, great base. Um, so you were able, like you were doing intervals and stuff on your bike to help you get fit and you were able to do it because the situation was good, that, you know. Yeah, as I said, I had a really good base to start from, so it was much easier for me. Um, I also had more time than, than, than you did. You well, know? I'm not saying it's, it's very, uh, the training both of us were doing was, is not easy, but I'm just saying in terms of recovery, so I, the only way I could kind of protect myself was not do hard sessions. Yeah. So I used to do uh, moderate intensity sessions and, and do them for a little bit longer. Because if I had started piling on hard sessions on top of all of that, it, that's a very quick way to break yourself down in pieces. Yeah. So I suppose advice, you know, of course, now we're in teaching mode, but the advice would be if you're doing those type of ultra endurance events would be to periodize. So work in that four week cycle and then be very careful of intensity. Yeah. and where you put it and absolutely uh, pay attention to recovery yeah yeah that's really really important yeah. so then the last question then is how did you come to the conclusion that you could actually do this and paddle successfully well it's like it's a really good question and i suppose the answer is we probably didn't <laughs> <laughs> but um because we had done some things in the past uh and we knew we could get up to 15 hours. We knew we could put the days back to back. Like on the, bikes or something else we'd already done. Yeah, but we'd also done the Shannon. Oh, we'd done the Shannon, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So we knew we could put those days in. Mm -hmm. The question was, could you do it for 30 days or 40 days, whatever was needed? Mm -hmm. And I think the, the key to it was the preparation, whether it was the training um, and then working out how much training we needed to do and then getting that right. So mm -hmm. I think that... If you were to look at it initially, it looked too big, it looked huge. And I like, think especially after the first session where uh, I had to go home to bed <laughs> after the hour. hour. Yeah. I remember actually when I did, I literally did have to go home to bed. I remember getting up thinking, all right, that's oh one God. hour <laughs> on one day. And now we have to do 17 hours for 40 days. And that's a serious realization. Especially uh, when you're doing 80 hours a week. Yeah, work. Yeah, but then, then bringing back John, it's all got to do with the preparation and your, your training plan and meeting your sessions and so session on. Session goals. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's that it's the preparation for it. It's making sure that it's good, it's good training. It's making sure that the program is realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have to be able to put in those rest day or rest recovery weeks, mm -hmm. as Diane talked about. Mm -hmm. And um, but I, I think the big thing from this is that no matter how big the task is, is to break it down into parts that you're able to control. There's an awful lot of stuff that you're actually you are able to control. There's some things outside of your control, and you just have to deal with that. Mm. But it's all about people like to tell us how we might die a lot, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think like as we were training, a big thing there is self belief. Yeah. You know, and I think yeah. a lot of people lack that. Like, no matter what it is, even if it's you know doing a hike or oh, I'd never be able to do that. They're straight away shutting yeah. the thought of completing that. Uh, and that's Absolutely. a really good point because yeah. oftentimes we'll that's think about true. stuff. It could be huge things that you, you we, we might be thinking about, and what we try and do is we say, look, anything is possible. 
-hmm. Absolutely, anything is possible. It's about the preparation. Yeah. And then what you do is you take out all the things that you have in your control and then mm -hmm. you see what you're left with. Mm -hmm. You see, okay, that's the, that's the reality. That's what we're going to have to deal with. Can mm -hmm. we deal with that? Mm -hmm. Instead of becoming overwhelmed by an awful lot of nonsense, especially stuff that people say to you. Mm -hmm. and sometimes people love to give advice when there's no background, <laughs> yeah. there's no idea. Yeah. They heard a story at one stage. Never yeah. had those before. Yeah. 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 And, uh, so you have to be very careful of whose advice you pay attention to. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it is about having that belief and putting in that real good preparation for, yeah. for whatever you're going to do. But, but don't rule out anything. No, none of us, even, even with all of the stuff that we've done and other penalty people have done, but um, you, none of us know what we're fully capable of. No. And you never know until you keep trying. But coming back to the self-belief, it starts from setting a goal and achieving it. And then you set another one that's a bit bigger and achieving it. And it's, it's all of the steps that you put in place. And it's getting the right people around you and the right expertise. And it's, it, it, it's all of those factors that, that make the difference. Um, you know, and I know what we're talking about this huge challenge now that we did, but like the same it, principle applies. Whatever goal anyone has in their mind that they want to do, like, oh, I'd never be able to. Certainly don't start with that sentence. Yeah. That's not the, it's like, well, I wonder what would happen, like, well, can I do it? Maybe I can. And of course you can if you get the right um, things in place. Um, so that would be a big message coming from that, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Like, don't rule out anything. Don't don't think for a second that you can't achieve achieve something, especially if it's something that's in your mind for a long time that you wanted to do. It's about putting the preparation in place. It could be a case that I'm going to do that in two or three years' time. Mm -hmm. And then building everything up to that point. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important because people just want to do something literally yeah. instant. Yeah. I want to be able to do that tomorrow. Yeah. It's being able to, as you say, set that goal for two years' time or three years' time, work towards it, mm -hmm. achieve those smaller goals that will ultimately lead to that mm -hmm. big goal mm -hmm. and get rid of this instant mindset yeah. because it's not going to work in, never, in life yeah. in anything it, things are rarely instant anyway and, yeah. and the other thing what what that leads to is this if i don't give enough time for preparation mm -hmm. i end up training too hard too mm -hmm. early and yeah. doing stuff that i'm not able, able to do. for yeah and that leads to injury yeah and then when you get injured because you get Sorry, so we never, we had no injuries at all in the training. And people used to say, I'm, I'm trying not to deviate what you're taught, but people used to say to us, oh my God, you must be doing such hard training. You must be killing yourselves. It's the complete opposite. Coming back to what John is saying, leaving enough time. So it's about that. It's really looking at what you're going to do and how am I going to do it. Mm -hmm. And then when you're doing uh, such long events, it's all about protecting your body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's because even when we were paddling, uh, something you learn very quickly is if you squeeze the paddle, the mm -hmm. forearms will burn out very quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if you're doing it for a day or two days or even three days, mm -hmm. no big deal. But when you're doing it for 30, 40 days, mm -hmm. so even you'd be gripping the paddle as light as you yeah. possibly can, yeah. all that sort of stuff, all those little things add up mm -hmm. eventually. Mm, and yeah. you're thinking about when you're starting on your first day you're actually thinking about the last day in terms of that's where my body needs to get to yeah. so I need to protect it I need yeah. to work hard mm. put in the hours do whatever I have to do and protect your body as much as you possibly can and you need to think the same mm. when you're training mm. I want to achieve the goal 
but I want to protect the body as much as I possibly can. Otherwise, I run the risk of moving. And that really, I suppose, comes to a final point, Ruth. Yeah. You, nor you often say in all of our courses, it's the accumulation of the little things that lead to big results. It's all the little things. It's all the little details that help you get there. It always is, no matter what your goal is. And so that's yeah. exactly true. Yeah. And then I suppose to finish up on it as well, the key there is you have to look after yourself. You have to protect Absolutely. your body. Your body does so much. And like we know from all the work we've done is people are doing like really things that can harm themselves because they just want quick instant results but in terms you have of training to protect, and stuff yeah, yeah in terms yeah, of training yeah. and even like nutrition and diets yeah and absolutely yeah it's a huge area so i think the key here is you know protect your body it does so much for you and mm. if you look after that yeah. you'll be able to do lots and absolutely and you'll yeah. get the benefit tenfold by actually looking after yourself yeah. yeah so i suppose we'll leave it here but just for anyone who's listening just think is there anything that you would like to do and maybe instead of thinking automatically, no, I can't do that, maybe start to think about it and explore, well, maybe I will be able to do this. And, um, and I, I guarantee you, when, if and not if, when you do it, yeah. it will be something that you will never forget. We have a lifetime of, of memories and it's lovely going back through it. Now you'll never forget it. It'll always be worth it. And um, there'll never be a good time. It certainly wasn't, I never thought I'd fit this into the schedule, but it got done, best time ever. You have to just bite the bullet and go. go for there it. is no, you never have enough money, you never have enough time, it's never the right situation. You just have to make it. I'll leave it there. <laughs> Thanks very much, Thanks everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the second episode of the True Fitness Podcast. You can follow True Fitness on social media, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and on our website www.truefitness.ie.